Hi, and welcome again to another Mystery School edition. The topic tonight is apocalyptic resonance. I'm so grateful for every single one of you guys for joining and those who, who watch later on YouTube and Rumble. Um, so let's go ahead and get started. If we could, let's go ahead and start with the first slide. Let's go ahead and start with the, the title itself. I felt like Spirit just kind of gave it to me. It was a download. Um, I was a little bit unsure about using it in the context, but it it just kept coming that that was the right thing to to do. So let's start with the, the apocalypse. Uh, you know, it's not the doom and gloom and everything that everybody always talks about. I guess it could come with that. But the actual word apocalypse is a Greek word um, and its meaning means to like uncover um, and our disclosure of knowledge, uh, lifting of the veil, a revelation in religious context. It is a usually a disclosure of something hidden. So this is this is our apocalypse to see through the veil. Um, that's what the word is intended for. We have a lot of words in the English language that have been changed, modified, altered um, for many reasons, I think. But um, the one we most people hear the word apocalypse, they're really talking about the doom and gloom and the fire and brimstone and all that stuff. And to me, when I think about it, I've always really concentrated on the fact that it is a seeing through the veil. It is a lifting of what is unknown to be known. So let's start with there. So apocalyptic resonance, apocalypse. We got that. It's the lifting of the veil. And uh, Mike, I can't. Oh, here we go. Now we can. So let's go to resonance. So resonance is probably a little bit harder to describe, but it is an increase in the vibration amplitude of an object caused by another object vibrating at the same frequency. So we got two tuning forks here on this picture. And basically what they're saying, if, if you were to ring a tuning fork at, let's say, 528 hertz, the frequency of, of love and miracles and everything, and you had another uh, tuning fork over here at the same vibration, if you were to ring this tuning fork over here without this one being touched, it would pick up on the waves from the sound coming from one tuning fork to the other, and this one would start to ring as well. So, you know, resonance, vibration, resonance can can shatter glass, you know, can shatter a wine glass or something like that. But basically, you know, even change the, the wording of objects. So an increase in vibration amplitude of uh, people. I mean, let's talk about. So if apocalypse is a revealing of information, seeing through the veil, if somebody over here is starting to um, you know, see through the veil, then other people around them and in their community should be seeing through the veil, too. Um, and, you know, let's not just stop at people, but let's just stop at time periods and epochs and eras that there um, we kind of see things as, you know, linear time, past, present and future. But we when we look at time and everything deep down, we know all things are happening simultaneously at one time. And so we can see how if we had epochs and eras, millennia is where things were going on that that same resonance would come back over and over and over again. And I believe that's what the scriptures, that's what so many uh, books um, that have been handed down and passed down and found throughout history are suggesting to us that there is an apocalyptic resonance that happens over and over again. And we see similarities and things happening over and over again. So before we go to the next slide, I want to kind of give a disclosure here. Um, with this topic, I could use all kinds of different uh, books from the Marbarta to Mayan to, um, you know, all kinds of things. I really wanted to focus on the biblical text, the Bible. Um, I, I felt like it was something that has been, uh, for the most part, kind of ran, uh, 
the justice has not been served to it. And I feel like I, I want to do that for the Bible. Um, so many people look at it as just like something that's not true or some things that didn't happen. Um, you know, that it's more religious to me. It's to me personally, I feel like it's a historical book that are rewrite stories. So all these stories are found in other stories, like in Sumerian tablets with much more detail, but these are stories that people knew were important and they had to hide and conceal them. These were things that not just, you know, were out in the open. These were books that were very important, very, um, very secretive because if someone found them, they would, they could probably lose their life for things like this. That's serious. And we need to take it as that, as a historical book that has metaphors in it, that has uh, understandings in it, technologies in it. I often like try to refer to it as a technology. Um, in all honesty, the Bible is like a UFO crashed in uh, ancient times, and the people who found it were able to take apart slowly, and then you know maybe make a wheel out of it. like oh we found this 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 wheel thing, and they were able to use it for something like a wheelbarrow and carry things back and forth. When this thing is you know so incredible, you could use it to fly around the universe in. We're just we're just scratching the surface of how important a book like this is. So I feel personally like I want to do it justice. I mean, again, many books were removed initially from the Bible when they found it in pyramids. It was written on ancient scrolls. They removed the Council of Nicaea, removed a lot of books. They changed a lot of words. They left a lot of words like the Elohim in the Bible, which is a Hebrew word for God's G-O-D-S. Uh, but now we take that as Elohim as the name of God. So those things are really important to realize, like, We've kind of got this watered down, cut up um, King James version, which no king, as far as I'm concerned, has really ever been on the side, at least the fake kings, not real kings like Christ or Buddha or Krishna, but um, has really been on the side of, of, of the of the people. So tonight, I really want to just take one source, although, like I said, we could use many different sources to really explain apocalyptic resonance, but I'm going to use just the Bible for tonight. So um, let's go ahead and go. Let's go ahead and move on. So one of the big things that I felt like was the first thing I had to address on apocalyptic resonance was, as in the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. So they literally said uh, in the Bible, this, this direct quote, and what was going on back in Noah's day, you know, and they definitely had a lot of people multiplying quickly. Um, and I, I think that's because, you know, like today, like, let's, let's say today we're having a, we're having a huge, you know, population burst in the past several decades, century or so. Um, and a lot of it is because people are probably having sex without love. I mean, let's just be real. There's a lot of that happened. There's a lot of children being born without fathers, without stable home environments, and they're growing up in different ways. Um, and so we kind of tend to see some of that stuff going on today. Um, sex to me is something that's supposed to be beautiful, something about love, something to share with your partner, uh, not just something to go out and, you know, uh, blank someone, you know, I mean, that that's definitely a different type of, of, of interaction than, um, you know, love. Cause when you're having sex, with somebody, you are downloading and uploading all that, all their emotions, all their feelings, all their understandings, the things that they've learned, haven't learned things that they struggle with. And, you, and if you are not a very sound mind and centered person, you're going to download all that stuff from them and take it on as your own. And that's to me what marrying is. When you marry up with people and your energy is connected, when they're down, you can be down. When they're angry, you're, they, you're angry. Um, the things that they're struggling on right now can be things that you take on and start to struggle with. So the sex in general to me is the most sacred ceremony that we have. And it's right now, it seems more than ever with online and everything else, it's something that's not a sacred ceremony. It's something that's just 
you know, more mere physical than anything else. Um, they tend to talk about wickedness and things and people, you know, being evil and stuff like that. And, you know, I don't want to compare that one as much, but there are, there are definitely some, some bad things going on on our planet right now uh, that seem to be very similar to some of the things that were happening back then. At the end of the day, I believe all this is cycles of time, uh, of light and dark that help us to see contrast, which I think is incredibly important, you know, really to understand that that saying it's not happening to us, but it's happening for us. And really deep down, know that in your heart, everything that's unfolding in some way is happening for you to learn, for you to grow, uh, for you to evolve. Um, and that's really important. So let's go ahead and go. We'll go from Noah. We'll go to we'll go to Moses. And again, I'm going to skip around a little bit. I'm going to stay in the Old Testament here for the most part. But um, I want you guys to know when I was talking about the Bible earlier, uh, and and it being kind of kind of broken up. One of the things about the Bible, especially the Old Testament, is not in chronological order. Uh, you may think that, but definitely not. It may seem like that, but different stories just because they came before in the scripture itself doesn't mean that that story came in the same timeline. Um, so I will skip around a little bit, but I'll mostly stay in the old Testament. So I want to talk about Moses and I want to talk about the promised land because it is something now I feel like more than ever, we see memes like this all the time. Me trying to convince my friends, we should go buy a very large plot of land and start a community. I cannot tell you. I know there's people watching me right here, right now at this moment that are on this talk that I've sat down around my table and their table at home and had that exact same conversation. Um, so many people have that dream right now of, you know, not really caring about the cars and the clothes and the money and the big house, but really, you know, let's, you know, let's get some land. Let's, let's work together. Let's, you know, not let's be, um, Push to a way of life that doesn't work for all of us, right? Let's work together so that we're not, you know, completely complacent on the government and their water and their electricity. And, you know, part of being free is being able to make it on this land without kind of suckling on the tit of the government. Like, let's be honest, like how many people really want that right now? Um, I see memes like this all the time. It resonates with me. Uh, so many conversations about that. There's, you know, it just seems like this promised land is calling to us again, literally calling to us and saying, you know, I, you know, you, you got to come here. You got to cultivate me. You got to, you got to um, work together as one in order to survive. Um, and I think that's really important. It's, um, it's something more than a conversation that we have at our table that's happening that we have to get all our money together and, and, and buy a plot. My deep down most natural feeling in my connectedness to source says that that land eventually won't even have to be paid for by money. That there is land out there that's calling to all of us to come out and we'll, the ones who need to be there will get there some way, somehow. But just like Moses, Moses had to go get his people out of Egypt. He literally had to go free his people, free my people from the Egyptians. They had all his people were literally slaves. They were enslaved in, uh, in Egypt. And then we have to ask ourselves, why was an entire, you know, why was an entire people completely enslaved? Um, I often ask myself this question and, you know, were they canceled? Did they did they not? Uh, did they not follow some kind of mandate? 
Um, what kind of things like that are happening today where, you know, many people are being canceled and, and completely off written by the, the things that they think, the things that they believe, the spirituality they want to subscribe to. If it doesn't fall into some mainstream, people are getting canceled in the same way. Is it possible that, you know, there are camps and things set up for people who don't want to follow uh, the guidelines of the elite that's happening right now on this planet? And I'm just asking the questions. I think it's very possible, though. And so once once Moses is able to, after, uh, you know, many different types of um, things that they had to do to get those people out, because they obviously didn't want to let them go. Uh, but they had a frogs come and, you know, all kinds of different famines and things happen. And finally, he lets his people go. And so they're they're rolling around the desert uh, trying to get to the promised land. And, you know, God, this this Lord, this this person who's helping them get through um, literally doesn't doesn't leave them, let them go by themselves. They have different technologies and things that they're taking on that they're able to use to help them get to where they need to be. So they're not completely just lost and forgotten. They're being helped, um, which I think we should think about a little bit ourselves. Like we need to have a little bit more faith. A lot of people are just worried that bad things are coming. They're happening and things are too expensive. Like just have a little bit more faith. When we believe we can achieve, when we, when we resonate with, you know, everything's happening for me. Um, you know, I'm not here as some little speck on this, on this earth to, you know, pay bills and taxes and waste away and 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 die. There's a there's a purpose for all this living. There's a purpose of growing. There's a purpose for evolving, and we need to have a little faith in that. One of the big miracles that uh, happens for Moses, very well written about, is the parting of the waters. That these people are, are trying to get away from the Egyptians. They're they're backed up against this huge water and, you know, they don't know what to do. And Moses literally parts the waters. This is a magical miracle. And so many people want to say in science, oh, this happened or that happened. I don't believe that at all. I believe 100 percent that whatever you believe in, when you need something most and you know that it's going to happen for you, it will. If you have that kind of steady faith, all things are possible. I 100 percent believe that. And I do believe that Moses part of the waters. And that these people walked on dry land and as the Egyptians followed them, the water, you know, fell for them. You know, they weren't trying to hurt them. They weren't trying to kill them. They were just trying to get away and have freedom. And there are other people who didn't want that for them. Uh, that's really important to believe. Sometimes we have to realize that our freedom is important. We need to go get it. We need to get after it. And, uh, you know, no matter what, believe that God's source is going to take care of us and, um, you know, miracles will happen. And knowing that everything's a miracle, that the fact that you're here is a miracle. Um, that the fact that, you know, there's life on this planet while it revolves around a plasma star in the middle of the universe, it's just incredible. Like there miracles stacked upon miracles every day happen for us to live and breathe and enjoy this beautiful planet that we live on. And so I think we have to realize sometimes that, you know, there are a lot of miracles out there and we can too. Uh, perform miracles. We perform them every day when we fix things and work on things and do things. Um, but certainly uh, bigger miracles are, are available to us as well. And so while they're wandering around in the desert, uh, they're very thirsty. There's no water. And Moses has to has to strike up another miracle again. And he uh, he strikes the rock and all of a sudden out of a stream comes out of it. And if, you know, everyone's able to drink from that, the livestock's able to drink from that and they're no longer thirsty. Uh, 
Uh, same thing with the manna from heaven. They're literally walking around. They're hungry. Another miracle is provided for them. Whatever you want to consider the manna to be, at some point it seems to just magically appear and fall from the sky, and they have that manna. And um, I think this is this is really important. I want to share this from my own life. You know, there's always things where miracles can happen. And I had a friend tell me not too long ago, they were driving across the country and they were just having the best time ever and so grateful and so happy. And they went across the state and they looked down at the, at the fuel, the fuel gauge and no gas had gone down and they went through an entire state and they said, there's no way that could have happened. There's no way that should have happened. But we know when we're engaged in the moment right here, right now, um, Miracles can happen when we're totally present, when we're really having, you know, an incredible time, uh, really engulfed in this present moment. I think all things can really be possible at that, that moment when you're not thinking about the worries and the anxiety, um, the fear of the past. You know, um, it's really important to realize that all things are possible. And um, I, I, and I totally believe that guy when he told me that the gas rent never didn't run out. Um, there's other stories like that in the Bible as well. Um, Elijah visits this lady and, you know, he says, make him some bread. And she doesn't have any. She says, I got just tiny little bit. And he goes, make me some first and then make some for yourself. Once she did that, her flour and her meal never ran out. She never ran out again. She never had to go to the store. She never had to fill it up again. And I, and I think about that all, all the time. And I'm like, man, when food prices are so high right now, is it possible at all that we could bless our food. We could be grateful for it. We could hand it over to others and we could multiply it as Jesus did when he fed, you know, 5,000 people with two fish and three, three loaves, five loaves of bread. Are those miracles? Can, are they possible? Are these all stories? I've had things like that happen. Um, you know, I, I had a, I had a rock band thing I used to have back in the day, played it all the time, got super tired of it. I couldn't give it away. Couldn't sell it. Um, and I just forgot about it, had it in the closet. And then one day, uh, you know, I had homeless people come up to me all the time, ask me for money. And I, I always gave money, but I, I had this kind of, uh, you know, those moments in your life and you realize, I'm, you know, I, I'm struggling with this. Is this person going to go buy drugs or whatever at this hour? Uh, you know, people told me not to. And so I said, okay, I'm not going to do it for a while. So for a couple of months went by and I didn't give anybody money, but I had made a bunch of money. I was going to yoga. I was doing my meditation. I was feeling good. Went to work one night, started to walk home. I had lots of money in my pocket. And it was this homeless family, homeless couple came up to me and asked me for money. And uh, I gave them $20. They wanted a couple of dollars to eat something right then. I gave them 20 bucks to hear something for the morning too. And I gave them both a hug. I told them I loved them. And I really meant it. And I had no attachment to that $20 whatsoever. And uh, so I went to bed and woke up the next morning. And the next morning, uh, you know, an old girlfriend called me and said, do you still have that rock band? And uh, I said, I do. And she said, I have a friend who wants it. And I told him what you got and she's going to call you. And she said, she'd probably give you like 200 bucks for it. And I was like, okay, that's great. <laughs> Get out for 20 bucks. I hung that phone up and that, that light bulb goes off the eureka moment, the aha moment where, you know, uh, you, you kind of realize something, you learn something. And I realized that that moment, it was 100% obvious to me. That because I had given money just a few hours earlier and give it gratefully with no attachment, $200 was 10 times the amount that I just gave away of something I couldn't give away. 
And it made me realize like everything out there is, is out there for me, but I have to line up with all the things that I want to get them. And if I do that, my life can turn into abundance of miracles. I've had bicycles given to me on the same day that I knew I was going to get a mountain bike. And someone gave them to me a couple hours later. Miracles are not just parting waters, but they're getting the things that you need when you need them, when your family needs them. Um, and so I do I believe that we could drive around all week long and not lose any gas? I think it's possible. I'm not saying that I drive around and do that, but I do think that is possible. I do think that we could have food that never ran out, drinks that never ran out. Um, I do believe that. And I think that's something that we, if we only started to believe it again, maybe we would actually see that kind of stuff happening again. Um, another, another miracle that happened was the walls of Jericho. And um, these guys were walking around uh, the walls of Jericho um, and they walked around a couple of days in a row and they had, I think it was six days, seven days. And they had to walk that amount because if they walked five, it wasn't going to work. But on the sixth day, they, um, they walked around and they're blowing ram's horns the whole time, which we have to we have to really think about this and use our brains that we have now and kind of not think that just because this happened thousands of years ago, these people weren't as intelligent or, or didn't have as much understanding of the universe or how it works. I think for the most part, they had a lot more understanding and we're just starting to wake back up again and understand it again. But I think the ram's horns, to me, I've always believed that it was some kind of sound technology that they had. And by, and by having the faith, Again, not being attached to the outcome, but walking around, blowing those horns, that they were able to pull the walls down. And I've had little visions for myself that I believe could be the same things. What if what if we had some enlightened beings who are able to do similar things and walk around the walls of the Pentagon, walk around the walls of Washington, D.C., any of these institutions that are trying to enslave us? And we were able to do something similar and the walls were literally crumbled to the ground. Is this possible? Can we do things like this today? I mean, I, I honestly, I really do believe this. I really do see this as a future thing for us. This is something that was put into a book and kept very, very uh, much with a lot of intention because this would come out later that people would read this and realize these things happen. You guys got to know this, that we did this and you'll do it again you have to do it again because these institutions will enslave you if you don't. And so I think this is incredibly important for us to go back and read these stories again with an open mind, with the new way of thinking, with the brains that we have now and, and, and seeing it from their eyes as well, kind of marrying, you know, past and present together in the now so that we're able to see incredible things that were done. And these weren't made up stories. These are real stories that happened and they will happen again. Another story I find just really incredible was Lot and he's in he's in his city and this apocalyptic time is coming and things are going to crash and you know he has these uh, you know entities at least at the very least coming and telling him it's time to leave we got to get out of here and they tell him as you're leaving don't turn and look his wife turned and looks she becomes a pillar of salt I don't know if this is a nuclear fallout war or whatever it's very much possible places like Mahanjo Daro have the vitrification of the sand which has to be something super hot to hit to create uh, glass from sand. But, um, you know, there are always people, always some kind of entities, angels or someone who seems to bring people uh, knowledge of, of information on things that are going to happen. The ant people bringing people underground and Native American legends uh, to save them from some kind of some kind of apocalyptic things that are happening. Um, so I think these are important too to realize that, you know, if you have the faith, if you really believe if you really have done your inner work, 
and you have your connection with source, you know, why would you be left out? Why would you not have that knowledge? You know, we have to start believing why not me? Um, and so here's another great story. So you, you most of you might have heard the story of Meshach. Um, uh, Meshach, I want, I want to say <laughs> Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. Um, there are three guys who pretty much roll up into Babylon. Um, if they play music, Nebuchadnezzar says you should worship this golden idol. They're like, we're not going to do that. That's not that's not who you know. That's not who we're in. Uh, that's not how we worship. That's not, um, you know, what we want to do. So they refused to do it. People in town went and told them. Uh, they said, hey, man, you're going to do this when the sound hits or we're going to throw you in that fire, a, a fiery furnace. And in fact, pretty much to scare them, they turned the furnace up seven times hotter than it normally is. And when the guys went over to go check it, they like passed out just by getting too close. So they got the furnace all hot. They're trying to scare them, intimidate them which happens a lot today, right? People trying to intimidate people not to speak out, not to say things. Um, and so they refused again. And so they threw these three guys, they bound them up, tied them up, throw them in the furnace. And um, as they're in there, eventually they start to stand up in the furnace. And not only do they stand up, the three of them, but then there seems to be someone else, which is referred to as the son of God, stand up in there with them. And they were able to walk out and Nebuchadnezzar walks up to them and, you know, asked them, you know, hey, is that the son of God with you? And, you know, uh, he lets them go. And after that, after that, he doesn't uh, require, you know, them to uh, to worship their golden idol anymore. Um, so these are pretty incredible things that people and this is called martyring, that people would be killed for their spiritual beliefs that if you don't believe what this city or this king tells you to do, you can be killed for it. And this happened a lot uh, in the past. Um, and I think that's because, hey, if you don't if you don't do as we say, you'll end up dead. Uh, it seems to be not maybe not where we're completely at right now, but definitely maybe a, a path that we may be going that we need to at least know our past to not repeat it. And so this this story of Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego bring me to a story of Antipas, who is referred to in the Bible, but his story is not very well known. And I just recently uh, learned of it myself. It came about, and I felt like this story pretty much created this entire talk tonight. And so this is something that is really important that I want to share with you guys. So Antipas, Saint Antipas at that. Um, Saint Antipas lived a little bit after uh, Jesus did, after he died. He was considered to be a saint. This guy walked around. He cast demons out of people. He was considered to be um, a healer. Um, and his speciality was mouth diseases, uh, which is kind of funny, but that's what he did. He was able to cure mouth diseases, anything that you had, probably sores and ulcers and things like that. Um, but he cast demons out of people. So, again, the people of the time, you know, the the kings and 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 the Sadducees and the Pharisees saying, "Hey, man, you can't cast demons out of people. You know, you're not allowed to do that. Don't don't do that. And if you do that, we're gonna we're gonna kill you. We're gonna martyr you for doing things like that." Well, Antipas is just like uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is like, "I'm gonna do whatever I want. You know, this is this is God's work, and this is what I'm gonna do." So Antipas goes along doing that, and he's martyred. He's martyred during the reign of Nero, and they put him into a brazen bull. Um, 
And so that's kind of like a metal bowl that um, that someone would stick someone into and um, they would heat the fire underneath and you would literally be burned up in the metal bowl. Uh, many people died this way. And they expected him to, you know, call out and in, in suffering and be, you know, like you know, obviously very hurt by this. But the whole time the Antipas was in there, he praised his God and he worshiped his God and he never screamed or hollered or anything like that. And um, story says that when Antipas was pulled out, he wasn't burned, although it seemingly he was dead and they buried him. And people still made homages to his grave and were still, you know, cured of diseases, especially mouth diseases, when they would go to where he was buried. Um, but um, he wasn't burned, supposedly. And um, I think this is an incredible story. And I want to share why I'm sharing. I want to share with you uh, the passage in the Bible that I believe is really important about this whole entire thing. So we're at Revelations 2.12. These are the words of him who has the sharp double-edged sword. I know where you live, where Satan has his throne, yet you remain true to my name. You did not renounce your faith in me, not even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness, who was put to death in your city where Satan lives. Okay, so this is basically saying where Satan's throne is and where Satan lives is where Antipas was martyred. Again, kill for his spiritual beliefs. Antipas, was, you know, scholars say Antipas was 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 martyred in Lyons. Now that doesn't make a big deal for a lot of people, but if I were to tell you that Geneva, Switzerland, is now where Lyons is, there may be a couple of things that would come up for some people. Number one, CERN is in Geneva, Switzerland, and they're doing some things there. I probably wouldn't want to do myself, uh, opening up portals and things that may not be. Um, I think our technology surpassed that of humanity and we're doing things because we can do them, not because we know what we're doing. Uh, even the emblem on CERN is 666 in a, in a, in a, you know, a way that flows from one, one circle around, but it's three sixes on the cover of their, um, of their emblem. And um, not only that, but the biggest thing is, is there are 33 world organizations that are centered in Geneva, Switzerland. From the WHO, World Health Organization, um, to the World Economic Forum. Now, these are the these are the people that I believe that are trying to bring down different uh, you know, politicians in every country to have their agenda be used all around the world. Um, this is not a conspiracy theory. This is the fact. These that's what they're doing, and everything that they're saying from their fifteen minute cities. Um, to how they want to deal with viruses and things like that is all being implemented all around the world. In fact, Cleveland, Ohio now wants to be the first uh, 15 minute city in America. Um, and I think we should know about those things. So we don't, we don't repeat these same, uh, these same things that we are being able to be used by them to shut us down much quicker. If you don't know about 15 minute cities, um, it's basically they want us to be able to live in a city you don't need a car. You can walk to work. You can, um, you can walk to the grocery store. Everything that you need is in a 15 minute radius. Uh, and so we don't going to produce too much carbon. And I believe that's the next thing is to monitor our carbon rates. So we're not allowed to eat or use an airplane or drive a car too much over our limit, whatever uh, each person has per month. Um, this is something dangerous in order for them to be able to monitor that for the, uh, the climate control. Um, 
which I don't believe is because they care about the climate or the or the planet itself. It's to monitor humans. So, anyways, that is a huge deal. That to me says back in Antipas's day, this is where Satan's thrones, this is where Satan lived. And nearly 2,000 years later, here we are with the world organizations headed in the same exact city. To me, that's the resonance. The same thing is going on. It never stopped. It always has been happening. And we are just now starting to realize that things haven't gotten worse. They just become an uncovered. We are just now starting to realize it. And we have always, uh, when I say we, I mean our people, uh, have always been martyred. We've always been um, and killed for our spiritual beliefs. Uh, every country, all, all around the world, on every continent, um, from witches to wizards to saints, I believe that we have been martyred to not stand out, you know, to have people not step out of line. I mean, we, they don't want that. And I'm not trying to say they is, is that, that we're not everyone. You know, it's all we, we're all together, but there are forces that want to take advantage of us. And if I'm not aware of that, if I'm not aware of someone who wants to take advantage of me, how can I stop it? How can I, how can I realize my own worth? Um, you know, I'm thankful for that at the end of the day. Um, I'm thankful because it gives me the opportunity to realize my worth. But, you know, there are entities out here on this planet that want to, you know, enslave us and, and use us and use our energy. And that's something I think is really important. Uh, and so, again, the saints have always been martyred. Uh, these really good, beautiful, amazing uh, people have always uh, I think this is St. Andrew, um, have always been killed, not just Jesus, um, but there have been lots of saints uh, throughout the history of especially the past couple thousand years to get people just to stay in line. Don't ask questions. Don't get out of line. Uh, just do what we tell you. Worship what we tell you. Uh, you know, go to school. Don't ask too many questions and you'll be fine. But I think what we have to realize now is now is our time. Now is our time to take all the things that we've learned. And I believe that we have lived lifetime after lifetime after lifetime. I do believe in reincarnation. I believe that Jacob Cox is an entity that dies in the end of the game, but my soul is eternal and it will continue to replenish itself. It'll continue to come back over and over again to learn lessons, to evolve, to grow. You know, no matter can be created or destroyed. It's only used over and over again. And, and my body, my physical body will certainly, that'll happen. And my spiritual body, I believe the same thing will happen as well that I will continue to reincarnate. And I believe we have come to this incredible moment in time so that we are able to graduate from this karmic cycle uh, and not, not be incarnated into another body and forget who we are anymore. So when we wake up completely, we don't have to come back into a body just to forget who we are. We'll remember. And I believe wholeheartedly that the stories in the Bible of Revelations of the 144,000, and I heard the number of them, which were sealed, and they were sealed 144,000 of all the children of Israel. Revelation 7, 4. And I want to read this one to you. This is Revelations 4, 1. The lamb and the 144,000. Then I looked, and there before me was the lamb standing on Mount Zion, and with him 144,000 who had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. And I heard a sound from heaven like the roar of a rushing waters and like a loud peal of thunder. The sound I heard was like the harpists playing their harps. And they sang a new song, 
before the throne and before four living creatures and the elders. No one could learn the song except for the 144,000 who had been redeemed from the earth. These are those who did not defile themselves with women, for they remain virgins. They follow the lamb wherever he goes. They were purchased from among mankind and offered as first fruits of God and the lamb. No lie was found in their mouths. They are blameless. So I want to go back real quick and it says they didn't defile themselves with women. And I just want to say this is, you know, ancient people uh, putting into stories things that they believe. I don't think that, you know, defiling yourself with women is is the term that I would use today with it. But what I think they're trying to say is these people were pure. They were pure minds, pure heart. I don't necessarily believe that they never had sex. That's saying that someone could not become a Christ after they had had sex. I, I certainly believe that there is a level of enlightenment, of becoming a Christ or becoming a Buddha or a Krishna that is certainly attainable for every single human that on this planet right now. That I certainly do believe is, is, is possible. And we have to maybe come to that realization that um, each one of us can be that. You know, Christ said, you can do all the things I'm doing and greater things. And why don't we do those things? We don't, because we don't believe it. And if we don't believe it, how can we ever achieve it? How can we honestly believe, do something if we don't believe it? We're never going to. If you don't believe it, you're not going to get there. But certainly, I feel like this entire book is filled with prophets and people. You know, Moses had a speech impediment and didn't believe he was supposed to go get anybody or save anybody or do anything for anyone other than himself. And so God calls on people with pure hearts, people with good intentions, people who really care about other people and who, you know, have beautiful souls and beautiful minds. And it doesn't matter what you've done, I believe, up until this point. Everybody can get there. All your experiences are valid. To me, the person who knows the light the best is probably the person who knows the dark in the same, the same amount. And so these people can literally help change the world. 144,000 people is what I believe is a resonant frequency of enough people on the planet who make it into the Christ consciousness that can literally change this, this, this planet back to what we want to see and to what we want it to be like, that beautiful Garden of Eden that's, that, that it once was and it still is. But it's just distorted. It's just the reality that's just a holographic universe that's just distorted a little bit. And I think that distortion is a fear factor to get people not to step out of line, not to do um, more than you're supposed to, not to ask more questions. Just take what we've been given. But we all know deep down inside of us, something doesn't feel right about that anymore, that we have to step out. We have to step up. And knowing that if, if you know, not that everyone has to believe that, that part of the 144,000, but believe that. You yourself and your works, your you telling your truth, you being honest, you being a good person, you have being helpful, you being a loving, caring, doing your inner work, you know, getting over the traumas that have happened in your life. Um, that is so important and so vital to bringing up the collective consciousness of this planet. You know, a few people really hating themselves and, and really being stuck in how negative and how terrible life is and how they're not worthy of anything can really bring it down. And certainly 8 billion people and a vast majority of that who don't know who they are, who aren't connected to source, um, or at least at least feeling disconnected to source, are really bringing down an astronomical amount. And so I think we we need to understand that. And so this is an important line, I think, in Revelation as well. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So that means listen up. 
to the one who is victorious. I will give him some of the hidden manna. I also give that person a white stone with a new name written on it, known only to those who receive it. And so, first of all, I want to go just talk about number one, right? Jesus Christ. And at this point, I think most people are aware that Jesus the Christ's name was not Jesus. His name was Yeshua. And I believe that time that he's missing from 13 to 30, he's going out and he's visiting the churches and he's visiting temples and he's 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 doing the work. And he goes into the wilderness and he's tempted by this, you know, Satan. And and I believe at that moment in that wilderness expedition, he becomes Jesus Christ. I believe that's when his name changed. I believe Mary Magdalene. I don't believe that was her real name. I believe Mary was her title. Mary of Magdalene, she was married. Her her masculine and feminine were married inside of her. And she was a she was an enlightened being. Um, I also want to just bring up Jacob. Jacob was the father of the 12 tribes. He wrestled with an angel. And because he didn't succumb and he basically won, God changed his name to Israel. He's literally his name has changed. Abednego, Meshach, Shadrach. Every single one of those guys that were in the burning furnace, their names were changed. It's something different to the names that I just read to you. They were something different before that. Daniel's name, Hosea, Simon, Abram, Sarai. Every one of those people that I just mentioned, their names were changed in the Bible. It wasn't just Jesus. And they don't really talk about it, but it does state all that in the Bible in itself. To me, again, these were people who had a life. Who, who did incredible things. Jacob himself was very malicious. Um, you know, he stole his brother's birthright. He, he was, you know, uh, very manipulating. And it was later in life that he became the person that he became. And I, these name changes are significant. I think it's why a lot of people probably change their name today. But the, I believe deep down that white stone could probably be your pineal gland or something like that. And when you clear that thing out, when you squeegee it out and that thing works really good, okay, there's a name written on your white stone, your pineal gland, whatever it is. I'm not claiming to know it, but I do believe that each one of us have a, a, a name, a Christ-given name that each one of us, when we hit that title, we become. In symbolic, um, in the symbolic reference, the Pope, when the person, whenever, whenever whatever they are, uh, become the Pope, they change their name. And I think when I look at all these these things that are happening in our world and how the, the, um, I don't like to use the word, but the Illuminati or, uh, you know, the elites are trying to do things. It's very similar to how things work naturally, but they're just twisting it up so that they can control it. But certainly I don't believe the Pope is an enlightened being. I believe it's, it's a falsehood, but he's changing his name nonetheless in a similar manner that someone would become a Christ or a Christian. I believe, um, so these 144,000 people, these this incredible um, new earth and new heaven, you know, and so many people say, you know, new earth is a, such a new age terminology. New earth is literally in your Bible. Anybody who, who wants to doubt it, look it up. Revelation 21.1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared and the sea was also gone. So in Revelations, it, it talks about a new earth and a new heaven and a new city coming down of gold and 12 crystal layers to it. Um, and that and that is what will bring us into a thousand years of peace. And I saw an angel coming down out of heaven, 
having the key to the abyss and holding in his hand a great chain. He sees the dragon, the ancient serpent, who is the devil. I mean, the ancient serpent who is the devil. You watched my last video on the moon matrix, and that makes a lot of sick, a lot of sense. Our Satan and bound him for a thousand years. He threw him into the abyss and locked it and sealed it over him to keep him from deceiving the nations anymore until the thousand years were ended and that he must be set free for a short time. So we have a thousand years coming. So this to me is, again, significant of an age of, of peace, of a golden age, um, the end of this Kali Yuga, that every book that I could, you know, that I can think of at, at the top of my head symbolizes that we're going into um that the bible certainly says the same thing that we are going into a new age so this is not new age jumbo this def definitely comes from the bible itself saying that there's a new new peace that's going to be on this planet and so i am very um i'm very excited i'm very grateful to be at this time i think every single one of us should be no matter what the trials and tribulations are i believe that we as a people must know that we are cared for, that we're loved, that we're beautiful beyond our wildest dreams. We're loved beyond our wildest dreams. And just to have that faith and that we're here for a reason. You matter. Everyone matters. Everyone's God wrapped up in a, in a, in a flesh colored flesh puppet. You know what I mean? Um, start to see the world like that. Start to see every single person as, as God in the flesh, even if they don't know it, if they don't recognize it, have compassion and empathy and love for each person. Um, every single time you do that, every single day, we're going to level up this planet and we're going to change it. And there's nothing, there's no dark that can hide from the light. You cannot go into a well-lit room with any amount of darkness and have any effect, but you can go into a dark room with a tiny little candle and instantly that darkness will flee once you light it up. It's, it's a metaphor that we must know that we can change this planet, we can change our world. And it starts with every single one of us. So each one of us should not be looking for someone on the sky to come down and rescue us and save us. If Christ or God is in us, that God is love and we love each other, God dwells within us, then we must know certainly that when we love, that God is in us and that we are that. We're that powerful, we're that amazing. And each one of us should strive, I believe, to find that alignment, to find that love, to find that Christ consciousness that dwells within all of us, that pure consciousness, because there's a thousand years of peace in it. <laughs> and I think if we don't make it into this time, we'll probably reincarnate on other planets to get there and, and do it in some other way. This seems to be an evolution that just seems natural of things that will happen, whether we're on this planet or another planet. But I certainly want to offer that to people that this is possible. Um, I'm not sitting here saying I have all the answers and I know everything that's going to happen. I certainly don't. I think that's the best thing about it. I feel like the universe and God gives you a little bit, you know, a little bit of that man, a little bit of that uh, breadcrumb and you want more and more and more. And you continually um, search for more answers. One of my favorite Bible verses is, uh, Mike, you can move that off if you want. Um, Blessed is he that's poor in spirit. And I, what that means to me is I'm poor in spirit. I've got a little bit, but I need a whole lot more because I need it. That's um, what drives me. It's what gets me, you know, a guy like me who doesn't have the um, the charismas, Russell Brand or, you know, the following of Joe Rogan. But I'm here to put what I think in the world is important. Uh, what I would like to share with people, a positive message of something that um, matters. And I think, it, you know, deep down people watch this and, and see the significance of this entirety of this presentation and realize that, you know, I, I'm not saying any one person is better than each and every one of us. 
it's dire for us to create the world that we want. So thank you guys for joining me. Um, very, very extremely grateful for this talk. Uh, I think it's been something in the works for a long time. That's been just really downloaded from spirit. And uh, I'm incredibly grateful to be able to hear that voice in my head that tells me, you know, read this, check this out. Um, and I want to encourage every single one out there to listen to that voice in your head. You know, uh, God is not found in one book alone, for sure. It's omnipresent, omnipotent. It's in every person. It's in everything that you can imagine. If we start to see that, um, I believe those breadcrumbs will happen for all of us and, and realize what path to go down. So tonight, I thank every single person for who is online with us tonight and uh, every person who will watch this YouTube or our our uh, presentation on rumble or wherever else you may find on sentient works tv or wherever it pops up for you um but hopefully please share subscribe and uh let's let's create the world that um that we need that we deserve and uh thank you guys namaste